0: This is Our Point with Zach and Carmen. Good morning. Good morning, part
1: two. Oh, so many mornings.
0: So many mornings. Again, got to get you ready for school.
1: So we're podcasting again on Thursday morning in basically like real time. It's practically live, folks. Practically live. I saw our friend Franny last night. I told her that we're not saying guys anymore, and it's a it's a hard habit to break. But I'm committed committed to working on it.
0: I believe in you. I think I think you can do it.
1: I I, I believe in me too. I just wanted to update our loyal listeners <laughs> that it's a process.
0: It is a process, along with me drinking seventeen pots of coffee, like I am doing currently. I feel like I've been on a gallon long coffee kick lately.
1: Seventeen pots of coffee—that's a lot.
0: It seems like a lot. I mean, although I mean, you although do have
1: more than one pot of coffee in that giant kitchen, so don't. Yeah, you? I mean, well, I mean,
0: I have, <laughs> I have like a little the K the Keur K cups and a regular coffee pot,
1: two in one. Mhm. Mm-hmm.
0: It's fancy. It's great. Eventually, I'm- I'll get you around to the K cup
1: thing. I drink too much coffee for that. I do, since now we aren't changing what we're drinking like we used to because we insist on recording so early in the morning. So now, busy people, Carmen. I'm going to tell you what cup I'm drinking my coffee out of because that will make it more interesting. (laughs) Because I have (laughs) been receiving uh, several novelty coffee mugs lately as gifts, which thank you, friends. I appreciate very much.
0: Is this like the new spoons that people get from rest stop areas? What what is this?
1: I don't know. I They just come to me, and who am I to say no to a gift? Um, so, this one is a collection of badass women. And so, it's like Marie Curie, Frida, Sally Ride, obviously Ruthie's on here, hang in there, Ruthie, Shirley Chisholm,
0: mm.
1: uh, Jane Goodall, Malala, uh, so Rosa Parks. It's just, it's this really lovely mug, and I'm pretty sure... Our friend Alicia got it for me. So thanks, Alicia. That's
0: amazing. My mug is a very boring plain white mug, which I get so much joy out of having everything um, white. Um, so so that's great. I it is funny that you talk about you getting mugs because yesterday on the internet I was looking at a coffee mug that I was gonna get and send to you. <laughs> and okay, See? so this, co- <laughs> this coffee happens. mug you could have um, two friends sitting back to back and it said. I'm pretty sure we're not best friends. I'm pretty sure we're a small gang. (laughs) And I was like, that is so funny. I should get that for Carmen. Um, I haven't done it. But now that I know that you're a coffee cup collector, (laughs) I might have to go purchase it.
1: That's fantastic.
0: Do you know what else I have to update our listeners on? Ooh, tell me. Our text line, (laughs) 605-215-1043, had a submission. Um,
1: Yay! From our fan
0: Sarah Kraft, um, she had a oh, couple of things. Oh,
1: she's been with us from day one.
0: She has, and, and she's, she's a loyal, loyal one, fan. She's our number one marketer. Um, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> she wanted a comment based on a previous episode where we had my sister Abby Nisler on to talk about masks, and weirdly, both of her comments were were aimed at me.
1: That is weird. Which, I know
0: it's so bizarre. But Sarah wanted to let us know that Bill Nye, the science guy, is not the only person to show how masks work. If you were to watch GMA, which I felt was like subtle, subtle dog, but I like um, news and facts. So Carmen and I watched CBS this morning. Um, she says Dr. Jennifer Ashton was on showing the difference, um, how a mask slows down the spread of germs. And she was also on live with Kelly and Ryan, which I do usually watch. But Sarah, I can't handle them working from home and they're in different locations and Ryan Seacrest is standing up in his kitchen weirdly with one headphone in. I just, I can't get on board with the work from home situation that uh, Live with Kelly and Ryan is doing. But she said it was very interesting. So thank you, Sarah, for for watching the news, for following Abby's guidance and Dr. Ashton's on how to properly wear a mask because it is now mandated in the great state of Minnesota, which probably should have happened a couple of weeks ago. And Sarah also wants us to talk about our friendship tattoos that we were going to get in Kansas City. And appropriately, she said, you folks, instead of you guys. Nice. Um, nice so work, kudos. Sarah. And unfortunately, Sarah, Phil poo pooed our idea once we got there. He was a big old chicken. Shocking. And, and just wouldn't go through with it. So I that's guess that's why he's not in
1: our tiny gang.
0: Yeah, can't be on the can't be on the coffee cup. So I just wanted to um, again continue to send in little text messages so you can get a shout out.
1: Thank you, Sarah. Thanks for trying out that text line for us.
0: Works real good.
1: So uh, one of the other great things about my sister is uh, that she, she's skinny. She <laughs> that's it's always been a real annoying part of our relationship. <clears throat> and taller.
0: Oh look, oh, look at me! I can fit into my wedding dress that I wore 15 years ago. Isn't this you great? Know,
1: that's coming up. I bet we'll, I bet we'll get a picture um, of her in her wedding dress here in August. But she made me an aunt, uh, for which I'm mm. forever grateful. And my nieces are headed to preschool this fall, which that's seems crazy bonkers. And um, <clears throat> considering they're over three, they now have to wear masks in the great state of Minnesota. Mm.
0: Oh, so, you they have
1: cute little teeny tiny masks. Yeah, mom made a mask with Disney princesses on them. Yes. Because of course she did. So I want to talk about school opening, which I am filled with anxiety over in weirdly, because I have no <laughs> children. You're not going. I'm not going to school. <laughs> uh, but I, I have a lot of um teacher friends, I have a lot of educator friends, and obviously I'm 40 so I have a bunch of mom friends. Um, so we're going to talk about how to reopen the economy without killing teachers and parents. Uh, it's a New York Times article. Uh, thankfully, Zach bought us a subscription to the New York Times. So I'm so excited. to about... democracy. That's what we're really trying to do here. Um, so Sharda Jogi, uh, Dr. Jogi, is an astronomy professor and a mom and she has written an op-ed about how, to, how we could do school in a safe way. And I have been listening to... There's a lot of controversy in Sioux Falls because, of course, there is. Um, and it seems very like all or nothing. Like, everybody goes to school or everybody doesn't go to school. And what Dr. Jogi Hare has discussed is a different way of doing things. And I was kind of um, excited about it. So there seems to be this like, we have to get everybody back to school, and then the parents are freaking out, and then masks have become this, like, touch point of stupidity, and then um, teachers are like, uh, like, a mere months ago, we were heroes, and, like, everyone was amazing, and we should pay teachers a million dollars, and now they're (laughs) like, get back in that building, you asshole, and take care of my kid, because I have to go to work. That was a... Real quick shift right there, yeah. and so what she talks about is um, we should allow all schools to offer virtual online classes this fall, and she says this is not going to work for everyone. We saw in the spr- uh, yeah in the spring this didn't work well, like there are kids that don't have access to the internet or there's kids who don't have access to good internet. Our friend Deb lives up in Groton, and she can't like her internet just simply isn't good enough for two kids to be online learning. Plus, if she has to teach at home, uh, that's just the way it is in Reality. rural America. Sometimes, right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, I know there was a student that one of our friends talked to, and she was like, "Do you have access to internet at home?" And the student was like, "No, but like, I could go sit in the Burger King parking lot." That's the closest internet to me, and that's how I could get my school done. And our friend was like, Nope, that means you do not have access. That's not what we mean by access. So, obviously, it's not going to work for everyone. And so, what the author is talking about, she's like, So now if everyone does online learning, the people who can't should come back to these schools. They're going to be empty. And what we're going to do is we're going to convert these and other large empty buildings which would be like convention centers stadiums performing art centers parks into safe centers for online learning uh we're not gonna call them schools we're gonna call them skulls which s-c-o-l which <laughs> looks like school anyway i thought it was really cute and this is not a radical concept like this is a flexible way to do this centers could provide meals for students who rely on them which was a big Concern this spring. Like, if this is the only meal that you get, or maybe it's the only hot meal that you get, um, that's going to still be available. Um, mental health and other counselors could reserve space to see students. With, um, you know, like school based health centers or your school nurse, you're going to have access to that health care going to be right on site uh, for some of the students. And so it is, I just wanted to bring this up because it was a, interesting to me to read about there are different ways to do things that isn't an all or nothing approach.
0: Well, I think we're seeing lots of instances where some other school districts have gotten incredibly creative. You know, there was an article written about the Des Moines um, School District in Iowa that their plan was initially to do virtual classes online, but have one day a week of in-school, in-class learning, and they were going to then obviously break the kids up and on different everybody would do their one day in class on a different day of the week, right? So again, there was limited capacity. So it was kind of a nice hybrid plan that they were going to try out. I've seen other schools that were um, talking about doing in-class learning, but they were going to break the classes up into 10 to 15 kids, and they were going to use some paraprofessionals and other folks in the schools to monitor the classrooms and then virtually tie in the classrooms together. So there was an in-person and a virtual component at once. I I think like what she's talking about, um, especially with folks that don't have good access, maybe their parents have to go to work so there's nobody at home to be with them. Maybe they do need the school lunch program. And and so those folks should go back to in-class learning. But if you have the means and the ability to do online, you should do so. That seems pretty common sense. It's what most workplaces are doing. It's what my workplace is doing. If you do not have the resources at home to do your job remotely, whether or not that's because at the workplace you have a desktop computer as opposed to a laptop, you don't have the setup, whatever it is, you're encouraged or, or told you, you need to go to the actual office place. And if you have the means to work remotely, you work remotely. So I think there, I think there's a lot of creative solutions, like is talked about in this op-ed, that people could be utilizing. The part that I have no ability to wrap my head around, is that again, all of these, what seems to be, I'm sure that there are people that have been planning, but we've known about this since last, last spring, last spring. March. And the fact that we are once again up against the deadline, because I mean, I think South Dakota schools are starting probably in a couple of weeks, middle of August is usually when they start. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why the hell are we having this conversation? Like, what, what, what have you guys been doing? What is this what has the state been doing? Nothing. What has the federal government been doing? Absolutely nothing. And so I, I just kind of feel like again, we are leaving all of these really important discussions until the very last minute.
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, and much like how the coronavirus response has been this whole time, we're looking at a piecemeal approach, which I do think okay. Clear Lake, um, which was where I went to school, is gonna be different. Uh, They're gonna have different problems than the Sioux Falls School District, I'll give you that. But we, because there's so little guidance, Everyone's trying to figure out what to do. So Mitchell has already decided that they're gonna wear masks in school and Sioux Falls is still looking at their return to learn plan, but they are gonna say masks are not gonna be required, it needs to be flexible. Well, the South Dakota State Medical Association just put out a press release yesterday urging, um, it is important for everyone who will be in school buildings to wear face coverings this fall and there are nearly 2,000 members of the south dakota state medical association and they sent it to every school board president in the state well i mean i think but again i think this is kind of late it's they sent it on (laughs) july 22nd like what have you been waiting for
0: yes this could have been i mean i think anybody with a functional brain can realize that this is not something that's going to go away in three weeks it's probably not going to go away in four months So we had to have some long-term planning, and that was also the case back in March. I mean, I don't think anybody – I mean, I hope nobody that's listening to this podcast believed the president when he said it was going to be gone by Easter.
1: Oh, weren't those the days? Yeah, and
0: it's just like, again, why are we not doing any type of long-term planning? And then I think we also – there's two other things, (laughs) that I because this also gets me wound up. All of these plans, I think we talk a lot about – Middle school to high school aged kids and how they can they can cope, but the reality of having you know K through five or preschool on up, those little kids wearing masks, socially distanced from each other, is just asinine. I don't know how. I mean, we can barely keep kids keep their shoes on, let alone a mask on.
1: I'm glad you brought that up because I was uh, having dinner with a friend outside on a patio the other night and. Her friend has a three year old in preschool in Chicago, and they are required to wear a mask all day. And she said it is not a big deal. Like, all of the teachers do it, all of the kids do it because kids are likely to impersonate what the adults are doing, right? Yeah. And they get to take them off for, like, obviously snacks and meals. There's a um, water fountain break and naps. And so this mom was telling my friend, it's absolutely no big deal and if my 3 year old can do it like adults well, can do it that's good to know and it was it was super interesting to me cuz i hadn't heard any anecdotal evidence no, about little kids in masks and um
0: they're super cute when you see them out in public oh my though.
1: god they're so cute totally and so that really made me feel better and i do think what it's going to come down to is parents doing the modeling, right? I'm gonna model this behavior in a positive way and this is what we're all gonna do. And I saw um, on Facebook, there was somebody saying like, practice with your kids now. Like when, you go, like when you go out on walks and it's hot, go around the block in your mask. So kids get used to how it feels. Yeah, the reality and, of
0: the schools that don't have air conditioning like we want to.
1: Oh, right. So it was just, I do think it, the, largely the behavior is gonna come down to the parents. And I would like the kids to wear masks because, um, shout out to Senora Lippert, who is a longtime listener of the pod. She's a Spanish teacher in Minnesota and my college roommate, and we want her to stay safe. Our friend Roberta is going to go back into the, the school well, building soon.
0: I mean, we think we, we know the reality that, you know, for the most part, young children don't f- have the ramifications of, of COVID-19. We don't know that yet. We also thought you know, 19 to 30-year-olds are pretty immune until recently as they
1: rack well, up, but they get everybody the thing. else sick. Everybody talks about, you know, kids have less blah, 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 transmission or something or something. And I was like, when have we had, since March, when have we had large, like, when have we had hundreds of kids in one spot? I just no, don't we feel shut like we shut that down
0: immediately. We got kids out of school right. immediately when it was nowhere near this level.
1: We had, like... Um, 10 20 cases in south dakota and one depths and our governor shut down the schools and i was like that showed a lot of leadership and that was the last time i had that thought <laughs> um, well i think
0: one other thing my last my last parting thought on this conversation because maybe you have more
1: we're going to talk about that in my next article so don't worry if uh, you miss them
0: i want to know specifically for this the school component because to me it seems like they've been inept at making any type of logical plan to deal with the current situation. What happens if it does get worse? What happens if the fall flu season versus flu and COVID season that the CDC, everybody's talking about, is going to get way worse before it gets better? What yes. happens in October and November when things get bad? Are we prepared to shut it down again? Are, like That's what I want to know. What's your next contingency plan? Because- well,
1: I think we can say when it gets worse. I don't I don't think it's an if. I do think that's something that we need to plan for. What you talk about with the flu season coming, they're calling it a, a flu COVID collision. So that Ooh. is a thing that's gonna happen. Yep. Some foreshadowing for you folks on the pod. We're gonna be talking about flu shots a lot because a lot. that's gonna be one of the things that's gonna get us through. And science. Um, and it's science it's and facts and data this is gonna be. Yeah. this is um don't worry we're still going to talk about sex we're still going to be inappropriate <laughs> we'll go, go back to drinking at some point it'll be like don't worry that's yeah, funny so that's, well, what, get excited know, for that folks
0: well at least these kids when they get back from school because apparently they have to do that I, I saw that south dakota also said all fall sports have to start <laughs> like on time starts like yeah
1: the competitive um, cheer like there are like four sports soccer competitive cheer and something like football, else i imagine no something there are the three things that start august 3rd and then i believe football is like two weeks after that so uh there well, was a task things- force recommendation and then somebody who votes it was an eight to zero vote and i was like <laughs> who is in charge of this i just feel like children are so sweaty and this is a droplet disease and what are we gonna do
0: yeah, we're going to visit them all in the hospital, but the kids that don't have after-school sports, um, like myself, I used to run home to to watch Oprah in the evening. Um, obviously, number one choice was the Rosie O'Donnell show, mm. but that that ended. But so then Oprah took the spot. But for a while, and I imagine for a lot of people, it is still the Ellen DeGeneres show. Carmen is not a talk show watcher, which.
1: I did watch Rosie uh, in the 90s because she she was all about the theater. She was all about the theater. She had so many awesome productions on there. And as a young, impressionable theater major, made my day.
0: She was great. Uh, So I was on the Ellen bandwagon for a while, but I have fallen off a couple of years ago because I just don't think she's nice. I think it's all fake. And I think if you actually watch the show, I don't think she is ever nice. And there's been a couple of articles over the time that's been written about her her behavior and her actual demeanor. There's been other celebrities and comics that have talked about it. She did an interesting expose. I believe it was with the New York Times before she was re-signed with their talk show. And she was kind of grouchy in it. But there was a recent um, investigative piece by Buzz, BuzzFeed News. And it says... Former employees say Ellen's be kind talk show mantra masks a toxic work culture by Christy Lee Yondoli. This story broke last week and it was all over everything. And there has been kind of a bubbling from her former security, head of security, some other folks, that she is just mean. And that, so these staffers go on to talk about a complete culture that just sounds so miserable to actually work at. Again, you have somebody who is a multimillion dollar brand. Her motto is be kind, but apparently she does not treat guests um, that are not AA list celebrities or her staff as such. It goes on to have staff members talk about they get chastised if they took bereavement pay, if they took sick time, Um, If they took vacation time, they faced a hostile work environment. Some guests talk about that they were not allowed to look Ellen in the eyes. They talk about executive producers, chastising folks again and again, that it's just kind of a a really sour work environment when the cameras aren't on, when some employees leave, nothing is talked about, like the world just goes on like nothing happened. There were some like racist undertones that were talked about, and when an employee brought them up and said specifically about the term "spirit animal," they were told basically that they were were, were the PC police and were repeatedly like made fun of for voicing some concern that they had issues with um, some of the terminology. A white boss would would call the black staffers the the black friend. It just Sounds really, really awful.
1: It does sound, and this is a long piece and it goes on and on and on. Somebody checked themselves into a, um, they took medical leave for a month, uh, to check into a mental health facility for a suicide attempt. Um, and then when they returned to work, their position was eliminated. Yep. Um, but they, so they, the producers talk openly in public about addiction and mental health awareness, but they don't actually follow that. They don't practice um, what they preach. And so this is the whole thing. There's one version of the show and the brand in public. And then there's another way um, on how all of the employees were. And like how many employees this were article for had, this? There was this several. This article had
0: 10. It also mentioned that there was in March... Uh, comedian Kevin T. Porter shared a or started a Twitter thread asking people to share the most insane stories you've heard about Ellen DeGeneres being mean, and that tweet had 2,600 like actual replies, not like you know people saying anything, uh, you know, pro or that didn't know anything. Like 2,600 actual replies that had real life um, examples. In April, Variety reported that employees were distressed and outraged uh, by top-level producers who didn't communicate details about their jobs and pay at the beginning of the Corona um, pandemic. That was a huge story that broke. That Ellen and her staff—they like shut things down. They went to work at her house. They didn't. T- she never talked to her or addressed her staff. And then they hired non-union workers to come work at her house because she basically didn't want them at her home. And so they had a small staff that excluded the entirety of her full-time staff, and they just never talked to them about it. Ellen's body, former bodyguard, came out and shared some really horrible and demeaning stories about it, again, where she would just not even acknowledge that the person was in the room. I just, I don't think she's nice. I really don't think she's nice. And I I implore people to actually watch her show and see how she interacts with people. I don't think she likes them.
1: It's it it's so interesting the level of reporting and um they talk about the toxic work environment and you feel like you're going insane and this story was corroborated by five former employees and medical records like they really <laughs> went through and did some really in-depth research on this and so ellen obviously did not comment on this
0: well, they say um, that Ellen has no idea. Ellen yes, has no idea. Yep. That's what they say. That, that there's three executive producers, which Ellen is also an executive producer of her television mm-hmm. show. But the three other executive producers were just mortified that this culture was going on. That they'll oh work God, hard to do they it. Had no idea. And Ellen just has no idea that this is happening. She, you know, is just so preoccupied and goes in and out. And
1: Zach, apparently, these, needs to do a these better job managing. Are heartbroken. I know. And they're so sorry to he- learn that even one person in their production family had a negative experience.
0: Well, It's and not the, the mission that
1: Ellen sent for us. This is a ridiculous statement.
0: It's a ridiculous statement that, again, just just wreaks falsehoods because the article goes on to talk about how these executive producers, which, I mean, think of them in the hierarchy. They're the, the top brass, the bosses. They're the ones that are leading these big weekly meetings. And we're not talking of a staff of 3,000. There's 100 people on this staff. So- you have to be pretty dense to not understand what's going on and what the culture feels like in your show. Oh. Also, be like Oprah, be like Rosie O'Donnell. These stories are going to come out. Like you cannot hide the fact that you're a horrible person forever.
1: Well, right, and Ellen has had a how 50, fifty, sixty. I mean, she's I, she's, she's had in her sixties. Decades long career. She also was canceled before that was a thing. Um, for coming out on her TV show, and she had to claw back into fame, and this is clearly the the route that she took. But for somebody who I just feel like has been the, she's probably experienced a toxic work culture for being gay in the yeah
0: eighties
1: nineties. Uh, and maybe she, she started out great and something better. changed.
0: And maybe some, you know, maybe she just got complacent or grouchy or. The fame and the money and the, all of it went to her head. But there's been a lot of articles written about whether or not Ellen's TV show should be done. It's well, time to move on.
1: I remember us all being mad when she was Love George w. Bush with George W. Bush. And that's when I was like, um, that's kind of gross. Like, do better. I mean, you don't have to be rude, but you also don't have to like snuggle
0: yeah, I mean, it, there's like article or excuse me, there's parts in this article that talk about some guests that of course were incredibly excited to be able to go on to her show and obviously I, they were not expecting Ellen to come like give them a hug backstage or whatever. That's pretty normal that the only time they see the host or whatever is on stage in front of cameras. But for those folks, there there was a makeup artist, um, there was some other artist that was in here as well. They you know just talked about beforehand with the producers that this was a huge moment in their life. And this, you know, they just were so elated about the opportunity and so thankful. And then to get said, "That's great, But you're not allowed to look Ellen in the eyes again, fake it. You were supposed to fake it. Well, it you were like, the talent if
1: that's the kind of celebrity you are. No, then don't. Then don't leave your massive palatial home like just well, stay there if you're going to be that much of an asshole you
0: used to talk about you know david letterman and the fact that he was cold and that he wouldn't talk to you until he was on st- you were on stage with him but there was never any stories that were written about the fact that he was a jackass you know they would right. say that he was an introvert that you're not talking to david mm-hmm. until like the camera goes on because he was incredibly introverted but there was nothing to say that he was an asshole
1: so be better be- Be kind to one another. Be best.
0: Yeah, doesn't that what she says? Be kind, Ellen.
1: Can you hear the thunder and lightning outside the podcast studio this morning?
0: God is going to hit Ellen with a lightning bolt, and (laughs) I'm going to watch it. So
1: it's kind of aggressive over here.
0: All right, I need a warm up.
1: Yeah, same. All right, folks. I we're going to talk about masks again because, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, Governor Tim Walz uh, is succumbing to science and facts and data and put the whole state into a mask mandate.
0: Yes, for indoor only.
1: Indoor only. Well, sure. I mean, whatever. Uh, uh, and so, my article is from Stat. Stat News. Uh, I've
0: never heard of Stat News. I was very excited to hear. From it's
1: it. medical. It's a medical thingy. Blog, okay. Article magazine. Who knows. And uh, so the, it's, the title is, If Everyone Wore a Mask, COVID-19 Could Be Brought Under Control, CDC Director Urges by Sharon Begley. And this is from last week, July 14th. And so basically, the spoiler, if everyone wears a mask, we could have it under control in like four to eight weeks. But it takes, you know, it takes everyone. It takes a village. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, so the anecdotal Story that the article starts with, which is fascinating. So, you have two hairstylists in Missouri who were jerk faces and incredibly irresponsible. And despite having respiratory symptoms, one went to work and saw clients for eight days when she learned that she had tested positive. Her colleague also developed symptoms three days after her coworker and kept fucking working until she tested positive, two days after the first stylist. Together, they saw 139 clients. Okay. I would be so pissed. And then I would find a new stylist because if you're going to be that reckless with my health, I don't have time for you. Agreed. Yet, when the local health department, the article goes on to say, identified and contacted the 139 clients asking them to self-quarantine, and then they check in daily about whether they had developed symptoms, not a single one of the 104 who agreed to be interviewed did. 67 oh. consented to a swab test, and everyone tested negative. And so here's the, here's the exciting part. Both stylists and every client had worn a face covering.
0: Yeah, they work.
1: <laughs> so that's what's – and it, it works best when everyone does it. So, like, that's me sitting in the chair um, and my – I was going to say dentist, but they always wear masks. But my stylist not wearing a mask. Um, or my stylist wearing a mask but not me because, you know, I'm a jerk. It, ha- it takes everybody. Everybody has to do it together. And so this goes and talks about, like, herd immunity. Uh, it's kind of a similar concept. The more individuals that wear face coverings, um, the, way, the more um, the entire community is protected. Um, refusing to wear masks is so weird. Um, so we talked about this a little bit on Tuesday, but so when we were in Kansas City, you had to wear a mask everywhere, which is how you live your life in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. And it was so easy. It was like every hallway, yeah, every every time your butt wasn't in the chair, you wore one. And the more you did it, the more comfortable it became and the more yeah. it, you don't really notice it. And the more people that were doing it, what I find to be the, my biggest struggle in Sioux Falls is that there's no visual cues because so few people are wearing masks. Sometimes I forget And I get halfway to the gas station. I'm like, oh, mask and turn back around and go back to my car and and put it on. So um, the more people you have, the more visual cues and then the more it's normalized and it's just going to be, it's not that hard, you guys. Ah, it's not that hard, team.
0: (laughs) It's not that hard. I mean, the reality is, one, this is going to go on for a while. You are now seeing huge retailers all mandate them from Walmart to Target to Home- Menards has been on it for a long time. Mm-hmm. CBS Home, Home Depot, like this is just a thing. And so get used to it.
1: Also, <laughs> hy than- get your act together. Let's get this done.
0: Yeah. And I mean, we now have our fearless leader, President Donald Trump, who has came out and reverted, you know, reverse course and said that masks are great and everybody should wear a mask because he's super patriotic and wears a mask so now all of those loyal trump followers that were following his lead need will blindly continue to follow it i imagine right that's what they do i think it's also important to to take into mind that i've heard lots of people i've said it as well that of course when the pandemic started they told encourage us not to wear masks the reason they did that was not because they didn't think that masks work it was because we had a shortage of supplies Mm
1: -hmm. and we
0: needed to save them for hospitals and if you look around now at the general public that are wearing masks they are almost a hundred percent homemade masks they are not you know like the store-bought surgical masks medical masks we've have now the capacity and everybody's into mask making so that's why they are now saying encouraging everyone to ma- everyone to wear masks because we have saved you know enough for the initial wave of PP, which was not enough, and now general public is wearing homemade masks. So, buy more than one, put it put them in your car. Um, that's where I keep my masks in my car. Carmen, keep them in your purse.
1: Yep, I have a. And then you know, as Abby taught us last week, I think two weeks ago. Yeah. last week. You got to wash them, make sure your hands are clean and you remove them. I mean, there's, you can definitely.
0: If you are a person that has glasses and they, you don't like them because they fog up, you need to get a mask that has a wire over the nose so you can push the mask down. The reason your glasses are fogging up is because there's a gaping hole in between the mask with the hot air that comes out and hits your eyes. So if you have the wire, you push it down and it snugs it to your face.
1: Problem solved. So this article ends with um, a quote that broad adoption of face of cloth face coverings is a civic duty. And I like the way that we're kind of talking about like, you do this for, you know, this is a love thy neighbor. If you're, if you need a biblical reason to do it, civic duty is part of your patriotism. You kind of tap into what people need to then feel good about the decision that they're making, um, the more success we're going to have.
0: Yes. I do. One other stat that this article um, shared, which I thought was really interesting, was an analysis of 194 countries. Those that did not recommend face masks saw per capita COVID-19 mortality rates increase 54% every week after the first case appeared. And in countries with masking policies, that weekly increase was only 8%. Those are not just numbers. Those are tangible people's lives.
1: Yeah, lives you're saved. just
0: willy nilly like letting them pass on because it's too uncomfortable. Meh. Did you see that article about the where it hit the Montessori and those 12 nuns all died within like a month of each other? No, it was so sad. So sad. Do you want to know for all these people that are watching or watching that are listening <laughs> and don't like to wear masks? I have a career advice. I have a career suggestion for them. Get on OnlyFans. That's what these people that don't want a mask should be doing. They should be on OnlyFans and they should be working from home or wherever they want to do their, their performance. Um, a time a New York Times article titled How OnlyFans Change Sex Work Forever by Jacob Bernstein talked about this app company culture called OnlyFans. It's a it's a website that people can go on and upload content. So think of it kind of similar to Instagram, um, which they talk a lot about in this article, but it has a monthly subscription. You have a monthly subscription to follow different people in the app. So think of if you follow Zach Efron on Instagram, think of it as the same except to follow Zach Zac Efron on OnlyFans, you would have to pay $5 a month to see his content.
1: So it's per person you want to follow. It's not Correct. like an OnlyFans subscription. Okay. No, but and this is also a- from the New York Times.
0: Yes. So yes, it is per per individual influencer as they call them on Inst- mm. or on OnlyFans. Um similar to Instagram. So what they talk a lot about is that Instagram you know, it can only be like PG-13 content and they monitor it closely. And so if you show too much of anything, they'll like remove your post or block you from the site. And then they talked about the time that Tumblr, on the other hand, was just the wild, wild West. And you would see all kinds of naughty things on the Tumblr.
1: Oh my gosh. I had friends on Tumblr during the Mm -hmm. wild West days. Mm -hmm. That's right.
0: It was a thing. So this site wanted something different, but they also talked about kind of sex work and the porn industry, how individuals weren't able to control their own image and what they wanted. And if they wanted to do sex work, they there was a money component, right? And was a thousand dollars worth having your video splashed up on the internet forever and being labeled a porn star. And like what that would do to your own like a thousand dollars probably wasn't worth that. And there was a guy who said, you know, he was a go-go dancer at a bar and he could make a thousand dollars dollars doing that. So it didn't seem worth it to do porn, even though he kind of wanted to. And then so OnlyFans really gives the ability for these folks to to post what they want to post, to post what they're comfortable posting, to control who gets to see their content, who doesn't get to see their content. They can leverage their other social media platforms and connect people to their OnlyFans site and people make an insane amount of money. They talk about the top earner has... 10,000 subscribers to her account and they each pay $10 a month. So she's making a hundred thousand dollars a month. Only fans um, take, it's an 80, 20 split across the board for all of their folks. So people are just making insane amount of money and they get to control what they want. And that lady that does, has the 10,000 subscribers, she doesn't, pose naked she is like she says in this article that she's like a fitness influencer <laughs> and she laughs because like 80 percent of her people that subscribe to her fan, her page are men and she just wears like tight leggings and does squats which is just so great
1: although she may pres- <laughs> i really enjoyed that part um she may provide um, exercise tips for an added fee along with healthy recipes because she used to be a chef. <laughs> yes.
0: It's just, it's
1: just great. I, it, I just love that. Like, cause they're like Jem Wolfie business person.
0: Yes. I mean, and they don't have to put anything explicit up there. It does not have to be. I mean, there are some folks that I've seen that are fitness people that do post their like workout routines on the site. Um, it is a combination of like images and videos and posts. So it very much mimics kind of like a, an Instagram feel, but they can get as wild or not wild as I want to get. And you have to decide whether or not you subscribe. It says average uh, subscription rates to an influencer on there range between five and $20 a person. Again, they can control. There was another article that I tried to find previous to this, that I couldn't go back and find that talked about how during the era of COVID, and people being unemployed, the amount of people that were like turning to mm-hmm. OnlyFans as a substantial source of income, again, that they could choose what they were comfortable showing, not showing, and and makes sizable incomes for themselves. That was really interesting. If you go on TikTok, if you're on the TikTok, notice, I mean, and maybe this is just the algorithm that I'm in, the amount of people that have like, hashtag OnlyFans or subscribe to my OnlyFans in their... They either they blatantly talk about is just astonishing. It's like everybody is an OnlyFans person.
1: (laughs) So do you subscribe? Are you a subscriber?
0: I don't. It just seems there's a lot of free stuff on the internet. I mean, I get it, but I don't actually care that much. I mean – it could add up to a lot of money if you followed like three people. All of a sudden, you've spent a hundred dollars on OnlyFans.
1: Well, that's what I was. That's why I was curious about if it was per person. So you'd really have to decide like which person you wanted to see, and if I mean, everyone is the used, same.
0: They talk about like how it's devastated like adult studios, and they talked about the first wave of adult studios was when like the porn hubs and all of those like tube, like the YouTube versions. A porn like the conglomerates where they'd have like all the little clips on the, the big site devastated studios. Cause people would stop going and paying the sites because they could just find free stuff on the internet. Mm-hmm. And they talked about it, that it was like Napster happened to the music industry. Only the music industry didn't fight back. That's what happened to the adult entertainment industry on the internet. And then now they're even more decimated because all of their individual performers on their sites now have their own outlet to post their own content themselves. I mean, it's all amateur content. I mean, most of it's amateur content by the sounds of it, but bye-bye adult industry.
1: So later on in this, um, there was a woman who was one of the first folks who sought subscribers in 2016. And she didn't think much would come of it because her earnings for the first month were $257. But then the, Sites added features and she got inventive and so she introduced theme days like Mistress Mondays and Dare Danny Tuesdays where men bid to watch her drive around town in her underwear and order a pizza to her home where she would answer the door naked And she's like, you can get porn for free. Like, guys don't want to pay for that. They want the opportunity to know somebody. Um, I'm like, they're online girlfriend. Isn't that what it said? Yeah. And then, so she says in August, she brought home over $29,000, over $34,000 in September, over $52,000 in October. Like, it just goes on. And how, like, this is incredibly safe. Like, she is not out Having sex with people, which would be, like, sex workers is notoriously, it can Mm -hmm. be a really dangerous profession. She's not in porn where um, she, like, the industry is slightly more regulated depending on where you're, like, she's just by herself driving around town in her underwear or giving some pizza delivery guy a thrill and raking in cash for it.
0: Well, and I've seen other I mean, I'm sure there's ways that people get around it. But again, we're not talking about these people having a million people following them. You know, it's like 10,000 people is the most subscribers that one person has. So it's a relatively controlled environment. And the site itself says that whatever is built, that you can't take like screenshots of stuff. You can't like download the videos. So if you decided that you wanted it to be, I mean, of course there's a way for people to go out there and probably snag some of the content that's on there. But you could really like erase your your naughty internet history uh, of times past when you try and go get a corporate job as a CEO of Target,
1: right? And I mean, there will there will always be people who want to discriminate um, against sex positive people because of our puritanical start to our country, uh, but I think those are going to be fewer and far between. Um, the more prevalent this kind of thing becomes and I think I just, it's just, just like super the, super interesting
0: it is I just love that people are also given more control over their their own body their own image their what they want to do with their life so instead of like having some creepy dude who runs an adult studio being in control of your name your life like where you get yeah, plastered, your, your
1: brand your everything
0: yeah you, you really now are in control, and you can set limits of what you are wanting to do, not wanting to do. I think, again, a rise of a, a new era in the adult in- industry.
1: Well, and this too will change. So, yes. if you're on OnlyFans, stock some of that cash away. <laughs> yes. Get ready that in- for the This will. This too shall pass. So put it in a
0: retirement account starting yesterday.
1: Use it. Use it while you got it.
0: Any parting thoughts over there, Miss Toft?
1: Man, I knew you were going to ask me that. And I... I wrote
0: one down. Are you ready? Yeah, I am. So I was enraged by <laughs> the news the other day. Did you see the story of this 15-year-old girl from Michigan who part of her parole was that she had to do her homework and she wasn't doing her homework adequately or she missed some of her homework and threw this black 15-year-old black girl in jail for like another five months? Yes. What the fuck is going on?
1: Well, so what—that that is so interesting because people were talking about this on Twitter. And so they're like, they threw this 15-year-old girl in, you know, juvenile detention, whatever, yep. um, for not doing her homework. And so I clicked on it and I was like, that doesn't seem right. But of course, it, uh, yeah, obviously that happens. Um, but when you read through, like buried in that article was she was actually put in detention – detained because she detention, did something
0: with their
1: mom because she was a threat to her mom and the they detailed how many times like the police have been called and she seemed to be like physically out of control for a, a period of time so whereas the headline Clickbait seemed to be like she was put in jail for not doing her homework. Mm-hmm. There was more to the story, but what was so interesting was like I saw Trevor Noah post about it. I it was Gail was talking about it yesterday yeah. on CBS. That's where I saw it, and nobody, like none of those uh, folks who were reporting on it, included that detail. And I was like, I found that detail in in an article that on one article that I read, and so I felt like. Trevor Noah and CBS this morning were being slightly misleading that they were drawing attention to this and then not sharing. And maybe the article that I read then was misle- the misleading one. So
0: I, I read, because I also read up on it and saw the whole like physical threat. There was an altercation with her mom, which is what led her to be put in juvie to begin with. And this was part of her parole, right? So the homework was part of her parole. I think the part that I still, I'm not a lawyer. So I don't know how they can do this, but like not doing your homework to me, one is not something that is a like law-breaking offense, right? Like doing drugs again, law-breaking offense on parole. Doing your homework while we should encourage kids to do their homework, they can drop out of high school at 16. You can flunk out, you can like get D's. It is not against the law to be a bad student. And to me, it seemed like the equivalence of like part of your parole is to mow the yard. And if you don't mow the yard. You right. get in jail. And maybe that is something, obviously, that the judge has lean and see to, to decide what the parole is or what the term, I mean, I would imagine that's how it works. But it just kind of seems like, really, we're locking kids up. I mean, I'm not saying she doesn't have other problems. And if she does any of the other violent things, she should go back to juvie. But not doing your homework? My brother didn't do his homework. Should he have been thrown in jail? Homework? Yeah, I just, I think that's the part that, because I also read, obviously, the thing, but that's what we're that's what we're throwing the black girl in jail for,
1: really? Well, there you said the magic word that she was black. and the I think that if you don't think that that plays into that decision, I think you would be mistaken,
0: totally, especially when the mom, girl's mom was trying to get her home and the hugging and the yep. Yep. oof, anyways. That just really grind my gears, but maybe maybe we need another lawyer on to tell me how that works.
1: That's a good point. With so yeah. many so many experts that can teach us things. Yes, uh, I'm gonna, I don't know, go rogue. My parting thought is, the Babysitter's Club is on yeah. Netflix, <laughs> and it's pretty great. <laughs> and no exaggeration, I read hundreds of Babysitter Club books in my youth. And they they used to have babysitter club movies because I definitely had a couple on VHS, but they've rebooted and given everybody, uh, they've kept so many of the tenants of um, the series, but then kind of brought it into this modern era. And Alicia Silverstone is the mom. Uh, You said she looks really old. Christy Thomas. She looked unrecognizable to the point where I had to double check on IMDb that it was actually her. And I thought that was fascinating. And it's a really cute, um, wholesome, if you need some non-stressful content to just really enjoy, I suggest Babysitter Club series on Netflix.
0: One other really brief parting thought that I have. As well 2020 has mostly sucked mm-hmm. um, Taylor Swift Is dropping a surprise Album tonight at midnight A brand new one so there's that For all of the people all the Swifters out there That love T-Swift so
1: She da-da-da. she is good to her Fans she knew she that great. She knew that folks needed a, a Bright spot and I hope
0: Adele listens I hope Adele does that <laughs> Come on Adele <laughs> we're waiting for you Alright I think we have to go To work <sighs>
1: All right. Talk to you later. Talk to
0: you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Our Point. To stay up to date and for links of the articles that we discussed in this podcast, join us on Facebook and Twitter at Our Point Podcast. If you have articles that you would like us to discuss, feel free to tag us on Facebook or Twitter, or you can also email us at ourpointpodcast at gmail.com.